I told you guys uh, tonight as we look at a character that is not spoken of frequently in the scriptures that he was a war hero in Israel. He was well known. What I didn't tell you was that he was a war hero not for Israel, (laughs) but for one of the countries known as an enemy of Israel. And we will see, though, um, how he discovered mercy and healing and forgiveness. It made me think of Philippians 3.18, where Paul is talking uh, with a heavy heart. And he says, even as I've told you before, even with many tears, there are enemies of the cross of Christ. And Paul was sharing his heart and he was saying, there are people who refuse God's love. Jesus dying on a cross for them. And it breaks my heart. He said, I can't get through to them. And it crushes me. He goes on the next verse, verse 19. He says, their destiny is destruction. (laughs) Their God is their stomach. And... Their glory is in their shame. That's how he describes them. And then in verse 20, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven. As Paul's thinking about his citizenship, I believe he's saying, God, I I want them to be part of the country that I belong to. To have a citizenship of forgiveness in Jesus. And, And so as we come to this section of Scripture... Just keep in mind, this guy started out as an enemy, but he ended up becoming part of God's family by receiving his healing. Second Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. I ask you to stand in God's honor. So I read this text. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master, And highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, King Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him to say, 
Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and far, far the rivers of Damascus better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, Wash and be cleansed. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the cleansing that you bring when we humble ourselves. Your word says, Father, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. The way up is the way down. And uh, Father, I pray tonight as we look at this man, Father, who was elevated to the highest place in his thinking, was not enough. He needed you. And I pray, Father, that we would realize that too, Lord. That wherever we are, we need you. Speak to our hearts, Master, in the name of the Great One, to whom we sing, Great and mighty is the Lord our God, Jesus, in whose name we pray, Amen. One of the most famous memorials in Washington, D.C., it's the Lincoln Memorial, um, it has 36 pillars that represented the 36 states in the time of Abraham Lincoln, and as you Climbed up to the top of the Lincoln Memorial. Um, You had many different places to stop and to rest. And you would see many references etched in stone. (laughs) And I'm glad they were etched in stone and not just hung on the walls of the memorial. Or someone would have tried to take them down or vote them out or do something with them. (laughs) And as you looked across... uh, from the top of the Lincoln Memorial to the highest memorial, which is the Washington Monument, you, uh, if you could see, close enough to see, um, there is etched in stone there the words Laius Deo, which is Latin for praise be to God. And I wonder if maybe God allowed them to be written in Latin so that we... Wouldn't have some judges trying to take them off if they understood what it really said. It said, praise be to God. 897 steps, 50 different landings, messages on each landing. Uh, at one landing, there's a prayer offered by the city leaders of Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> on another landing, there is a memorial by Chinese Christians who are grateful to our land because of following God. On another landing, there's Sunday school children from New York and Philadelphia. Quoting from Proverbs 10, verse 7. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will pass away. And as you continue going on up 50 landings, there is a message of inspiration dedicated to God. 
And it's really amazing because the higher up you go, the more messages are revealed about God. And typically in life, the higher you go, the harder it is to humble yourself. The harder, harder it is to look to God. You begin to think, I did this. I accomplished this. And yet the truth is, without the very grace of God, we couldn't even take a step up. He is the one who allows us to step up. It's very interesting. Um, as we look at this man, he is a man in his land of Aram who was a legend. He was a war hero. He, he was a man that many of the little boys wanted to be like. They wanted to grow up to be such a warrior as this man. We're told that he was commander of the army of King Aram. As a matter of fact, um, as you look at that word, it means supreme commander. It'd be like a five-star general under our command who was a great, well-known military strategist. He was a great man, we're told, in the sight of his master. And he was highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. That nation, under his rule, under his command, they had attacked Israel, as a matter of fact, the king of the time was Ahab. Remember Jezebel and Ahab? He was the military commander that led them into battle when Ahab died in battle. We, matter of fact, we read in the scriptures in 1 Kings chapter 22 that although Ahab disguised himself, it was not enough to keep him safe in battle and he was shot through with an arrow that would take his life. And according to the historian Josephus, the one who shot that arrow, although it doesn't tell us in 1 Kings 22 the identity of the warrior who shot the arrow, but according to the legend, I guess we call it today urban legend, I don't know if the facts truly line up, but according to Josephus, it was this man, Naaman, who shot that arrow through the enemy of the king's land that they were fighting. He was famous. He was well known in that land. He had it together. He also was a very wealthy man and prosperous. <laughs> but the verse doesn't end there. He had much under his control. But notice what we also learn about him. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. What he couldn't control was his health. He had leprosy, a dreaded disease. We're not given specifics. There's many types of leprosy, but we're not told specifically which type of leprosy he had. There's been many writings by a doctor, Paul Brand, who treated a type of leprosy known as Hansen's disease. And in his writings, he speaks about the fact that you begin to lose feeling in your hands and other parts of your body. And, and so it was, it was not unusual for people, because they couldn't feel pain, to do things that would end up becoming destructive to their body. And they would end up losing hands and fingers and, and other 
parts of their bodies or they might reach in a fire because they couldn't feel pain and, and, and get uh, burns or, or different kinds of injuries that would become infected. Matter of fact, Dr. Brand tells a story where he was trying to open a lock that was rusted and, and this 10-year-old boy came up to him. He was struggling. He couldn't do it. And the boy said, let me try. And he took the lock and just one swift jerk, he opened the lock. And Dr. Brand looked at him and said, this boy's malnourished. He's small. How could he do this? But then when he looked again, he noticed the blood trickling out of the little boy's hands as he had a, a wound that had gashed very deeply to the bone in the boy's finger. He couldn't feel pain, so he did such a jerk where it literally deeply hurt his finger because he couldn't, he couldn't feel pain. He, he couldn't feel that. And so as we think about Naaman, the indication is that it's very early in the stages of leprosy. But as he's watched other lepers, he knows that his strength, his, his power in his body is going to be short-lived. It won't be long before he won't be able to grip his sword to be able to go into battle or to squeeze the sides of his horse. It won't be long till he'll be able to not be able to lead a charge into battle because he won't be able to run or he won't even be able to walk. It, it won't be long till he won't be able to lead out his soldiers. He's in the early stages, but he knows that there will be a time very soon where all that he held dear, if his strength was going to be taken away from him because all of his awards that were pinned on his chest, all of those medals, all of those great titles, they won't last. Dr. Brand writes this about leprosy. He says, leprosy is death by degrees. Bodily injury, physical scarring, ignorant abuse, a thousand different disorders. All because the ability to sense it no longer exists. This, by the way, makes leprosy the perfect illustration for sin in the Old Testament. Sin is also death by degrees. As sin develops and the conscience hardens, there is the inability to sense any danger and any self-destruction that it brings. Ask an unbeliever how his weekend of sinning and carousing went, and he'll say, it was great. It was so much fun. We had the best time. Well, do you feel badly about it? Are you kidding me? I can't wait till the next weekend. But what he doesn't know is it is a death by degrees. As his life will become broken... <laughs> damaged. Warren Wearsby made an excellent analogy between leprosy and sin. He said, like leprosy, sin is deeper than the skin. It spreads, it defiles, it isolates. It's only fit for the judgment of God. See, leprosy, a tragic picture of sin in the life of a person. Not realizing, not being able to feel the consequences that are going to result by the constant pursuit of sin. It's kind of interesting. There is a reference Jesus uses to Naaman that's in Luke chapter 4. There's a section of Scripture where Jesus is speaking on the Sabbath day in the synagogue and he unrolls the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he 
tells them that the Spirit of the Lord is on me. He uses a prophecy of Scripture referring to himself. Verse 22, it says, All spoke well of him, and they were amazed (laughs) at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you'll quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Here we go. Look at verse 27. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. There were many who had the opportunity to receive healing. There were many that could come to Jesus in that in that time or to the Lord God in that time. And yet they chose not to in Elisha's day. They could have come to the prophet. The word of the Lord was present. The presence of the Lord was available. And yet the one testimony we have of lepers coming was this man who was not even a Jew. Matter of fact, look what it says in the verse here. It says, all the people in synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill in which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. What happened? They said, well, we're Jews. We are from Abraham. We're the promised people. And you're saying uh, it was a Syrian? It was this guy that was around under king of Aram? And, and he was healed? And, and yet the Jews weren't healed? It takes humility. And so there's that message of our Lord. Now, I'm just going to go back through 1 Kings as we go down through our passage here. Verse 2, it says, Now bands from Aram had gone out, taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. There was this young girl. She was a slave. And yet she held the message that he needed to hear. This, This little girl, and yet this powerful, mighty warrior... He was going to find freedom to a little girl that was a slave that he certainly didn't see as powerful, and yet she knew where power was. Verse 3, it says, She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go. Let's get this cleansing. (laughs) King of Aram replied, I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left. And he headed out. Notice he's he's got all this money he takes with him. Silver, gold, ten sets of clothes that he's taking on his way. It's interesting here as we see the section of scripture as he approaches the king. 
the king of Israel, he obviously didn't follow God. He didn't cry out to Elisha. <laughs> he didn't go to the prophet of God. He thought this was some kind of trick, some kind of military trick, so that Syria could get an advantage and conquer Israel again in battle. And through the midst of this, there are two truths that are learned about healing. First, there's a misconception that healing is something you can buy for yourself. Verse 9, So Naaman came with his horses, his chariots, and he stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. He's at Elisha's house. He's standing at the door. And he has these gifts. Um, he, he had these ten suits, these ten rolls of clothing that, that would be used for garments. That, that, that was very expensive in that day. And, he, and if you take the gold and you take the silver and you add it up in today's standards, it would be worth, in our economy, three point. One million dollars approximately. Over three million dollars. So it appears what's happened here is he wasn't going to take any chances. Naaman managed to get all the money that he could pull together from his fortune and from his any money that his family had. He probably even asked his friends to chip in. Hey, I'm going to die. I need a cure. I need to be restored. You know, help me out here. We're going to have a fun drive here. Give me whatever I can to take to this prophet of God to impress him so that he will offer healing to me. He tried to purchase healing from God. He tried to buy the cure. It's interesting here. Look at verse 10. I mean, you think, boy, that, that's impressive. $3.1 million. Life should be set up for the rest of his ministry. Man, he could have some fine bling for that, couldn't he, as a prophet? So how does he handle it? Is he impressed? He doesn't even answer the door. <laughs> Look at what he says here in verse 10. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. I can, I can just imagine Naaman turning red as a beet, angry. Who does he think he is? Doesn't he know who I am? Why won't he come to the door? He was convinced that he could buy the cure, but he couldn't. Secondly, he was convinced that he could create for himself something that would get the cure. Second part of verse 11, he noticed what he says um, says, I've just call on the he'll call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and he'll cure me of my leprosy, you know, almost like the magic wand, you know, abracadabra, open sesame, I don't even know what the big word is, I dream a genie, blink, whatever, you know, and, and there's going to be healing, and it'll, you know, it's going to happen, it's, it's going to come to pass. And so then he hears the word, of this is what you're to do, and he wants to argue with the prophet, verse 12. Now, he basically says, you know, I don't really want to get in that nasty water. Ugh. You want me to get in there? You want me to get in the Jordan? He says, you know, I, if, if, why don't you just let me go home? 
I'll get in the rivers of Damascus. Yeah, they're, they're cleaner water. I'd rather wash in them and be cleansed. And so he's angry and it says that he, he takes off in a rage. And what does it tell us? that The problem with the gospel is not that the gospel's too hard. The problem with the gospel is it's humiliating. The problem with the gospel is until I'm willing to go down, I can't go up. Until I'm willing to be abased, I can't be exalted. And until I know I'm a sinner and I'm willing to repent, and I know I need forgiveness, I can't be forgiven. And that was the place that Naaman found himself. Jesus said it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So are you telling me, preacher, that these Hindus that believe with all their heart in the many gods that they follow, that they're not going to go to heaven? Aren't you narrow? Take it up with Jesus. Are you telling me that, you know, those people that follow Muhammad, those people who believe with all of their hearts that if they pray five times a day and follow the rules of the Quran, that um, they're, they're not going to go to heaven if they don't believe in Jesus? Yeah, I think you're getting an idea. Or... or the people that believe in Buddha. You know, I can go through the different religions. The problem is, this is not about religion. This is about the work of God. That He left the heaven and came here to pay a price for sin. You see, the problem is, not that it's too difficult, it's that it's too dogmatic. It's too humiliating. It's humbling. I love the words of... Donald Gray Barnhouse, the former pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church, uh, he once said, everybody has the privilege of going to heaven God's way or going to hell their way. It could kind of char you a little bit, doesn't it? You see, there's only one way. God's way. The way of the cross, the way of Christ. The cure for sins, not an option. It's the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. I love this here. Um, this guy he goes away angry. But those, there's compassion for him. The, the compassion of his ser- servants. Verse 13. Naven's servants went to him. Unbelievable. I said, my father, the prophet have told you to do some great thing. Would you have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash, be cleansed? You know, it's like, let's think about this. Naaman, master, father. These slaves are talking to him. You're all mad and you're walking away. Don't you want to be healed? Is it really so tough to follow the commands of this prophet? To go and to wash in the Jordan. Why did he say this? Why did he want him to wash seven times? What, you know, what was the rationale behind that? If you look in the scriptures, in the book of Leviticus chapter 14, 
it talks about the ritual that was required for healing of skin diseases. And in that ritual, it's a description where there are two birds, and one bird um, becomes the sacrifice. And there's he's sacrificed over water, and the blood of the bird pours into the water. And then that blood is sprinkled seven times upon the one who has the skin disease. And then the other bird is allowed to fly away free. And then after the blood is sprinkled seven times upon the the one who is a leper, the one with the skin disease, then they are commanded to go wash thoroughly with water as a sign of being cleansed. Cleansed first by the blood and and, and, and then cleansed through the water. And, and that that is... The message Elisha was saying, you need to go God's way. You need to get the cleansing of the blood that is followed by the cleansing of water. And, and that's really what happens with all of us. Is we, we first are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And then we get up here in the water and there's the cleansing in the water of baptism that says, I'm going to identify with the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ. The message of reconciliation makes me think of that song we sing so often, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. And I love it here um, as we get to the end of this passage. Verse 14. um, So he went down. I'm so glad he went down. Aren't you? Yeah. He went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. I love the promise in the Old Testament that says, I'm going to take that old heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. That's the work of the gospel. Second Corinthians, what's it tell us? It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. It's the message of restoration. You can't buy it. You can't fix it or create it yourself. It's God's work. What He does. You go back to the Washington Monument. Uh, There's a story told by Pastor Gary Tolbert. He talks about a little boy who was in Washington, D.C., and he was taking in all the sites, all the different monuments. And he was just in awe of the Washington Monument. He... This little boy, eight-year-old boy, he's looking around, and finally he sees a soldier who's standing guard at the monument. He walks over to him and he's tugging on him. Tugging, tugging on his coat. Sir! 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 Finally, the soldier looks down at the little boy and he says, Yes, son? How may I help you? He says, I'd like to buy that. What? If, sir, I would like to buy that. He reaches in his pocket, pulls out a quarter, and he says, is this enough? Sorry, son, that's not enough. So he reaches in his other pocket, pulls out nine more cents and hands it to him. Is that enough? 
Sorry, son. 34 cents is not enough to buy the Washington Monument. $34 million wouldn't be enough to buy the Washington Monument. But, if you are an American citizen, are you an American citizen? Yes, sir. It's already yours. You already own it. Man, that's the beauty of Jesus. You don't earn the salvation. You don't purchase it. That's what's already happened. It belonged to us because of the work of Jesus Christ. And as we walk out of this place soon, man, may that be in the forefront of our hearts and our minds that we belong to Christ and that He has healed us and He has cured us from that lethal disease known as sin, sprinkled us by the blood of the Lamb, washed in the water of identification with Jesus so that other people may know Jesus is in us, that He might leak out. Let's pray. Father, um, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the healing that You bring. Father, You took this man who was an enemy of Israel. He might have been a hero in the camp of the enemy, but not in the camp of God's people. Something happened, Lord. He was sick, but he was healed. Once he humbled himself, Father, you made him clean. That's the story of the gospel, Lord. I pray that that story would be close to our hearts, Father. And that as we prepare to sing, Father, bring to our minds and our hearts the power of the gospel. And that as we encounter different ones this week, Lord, may, Father, we have opportunity to tell them about the true healing, how the heart can be made whole and pure. as through the name of Jesus. So, Father, just do that work in our hearts as we stand and as we sing. May we humble ourselves before you, Lord, because the way up is the way down. In Jesus' name we pray.